0: Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we began our review of the testimony of Dylan Hightower, a digital data investigator for the South Carolina Solicitor's Office. In this installment, we conclude our look at the prosecution's direct examination of Hightower. That's all coming up right after the break.
1: Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft.
0: It is the afternoon of February 2nd, 2023, day 7 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor John Conrad was questioning investigator Dylan Hightower about his investigation of the crime scene the day after the murders of the defendant's wife Maggie and son Paul. Specifically, his review of drone photographs of the locations where the victims' bodies were discovered. Today we begin with Conrad continuing this line of inquiry by placing a drone photo. On the screen that captures a wider section of the Murdoch's Moselle Road property, Conrad then asks the witness to step down from the stand so that he can specify for the jury his descriptions of the property.
2: I'm going to show you Exhibit 239.
1: At the top of this picture, in kind of the center, what is what is that? So this here is the residence of 4147 Moselle Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the, the actual residence. Um, this is the field between. The residence and the kennels again the kennels at the edge of the kennels is right there you can see the top of the hangar there as well so this is a direction looking directly over the hangar pointing directly back towards the, the residence. Right.
2: and i want to call your attention to this line of trees right here you see you see that sir yes sir i do All right.
1: this picture you can you can take a seat this picture is taken again when these were taken on the afternoon of june 8th 2021
2: And we see some pine trees kind of running diagonally between the kennels and the house, correct? Yes, sir, you do. Uh, And you were out there at the scene personally, correct? I was. Uh, And, Ken, from the best of your recollection, can you remember the approximate height of most of these trees at that time?
1: I would approximate probably six, seven, maybe eight feet on certain ones. Um, But you did get a clear channel, a clear view back towards the residence.
2: Uh, And you've you've been out there more recently, haven't you? Yes, sir. I have. Uh, and did you notice any differences with those trees, uh, at least uh, present day, compared to June of uh, 2021?
1: Yes, sir. It's uh, much more overgrown than what it looks like in that picture. Are those have those trees grown higher? Much higher, yes, sir.
2: Okay. I'm going to show you. This is going to be exhibit 238,
1: and this is approximately the same angle, correct? The same angle, just uh, the drone shifted backwards a little bit so you could actually see the full hangar, the full kennels. Okay. Uh, as well as the residents. i
2: showed you Exhibit 237. All right, and what, what angle is, is this in relation to the others?
1: So the idea behind this was to identify both driveways accessing the residents as well as accessing the barn area. So this is uh, further back, um, kind of closest to the field area, looking back towards the hangar, the dog kennels, and the two driveways that uh, you could travel or uh, arrive on, on the property.
2: And this gives a good angle of those trees we were just discussing to show how closely or uh, how closely they're spaced, correct?
0: Yes, sir, that is correct. Right. Prosecutor Conrad next pivots to asking Investigator Hightower about the efforts to find Maggie Murdoch's missing cell phone during his visit to the Moselle Road property.
2: Um, let's step back a little bit chronologically a little earlier in the day of June 8th, 2021 for you. That while you're at the scene, did did the com- did Maggie's cell phone come up in conversation.
1: Yes, sir, it did. All right.
2: Describe the context. That how did it come up, and who was there when it came up? Uh,
1: I was during the general overview of the scene. Uh, we started asking questions about pieces of physical evidence that might have been identified. I learned at that time that Paul's phone was found on him, uh, and Maggie's phone was not located anywhere near the scene during scene processing. Uh, so therefore, I explored other options to try and identify where her phone may be.
2: And you, you testify a lot, You've got pretty extensive training and experience dealing with
1: cell phones, That's correct? Yes, sir. Uh, every case, I would say 95% of all of our cases we put to a courtroom involve all forms of digital forensics, uh, cell phone extractions, um, cell phone records, uh, things of that nature. It's a part of our everyday life.
2: So with that background, when you learned Maggie's phone was missing, what, uh, did you have any ideas? I did, yes sir. What, what idea did you have?
1: Uh, knowing that they were a close, the Murdochs were a close-knit family, I figured one of the family members might have had her, her direct location on Find My iPhone, knowing that they all utilized iPhones.
0: Find My iPhone is an app that displays on a map the location of devices tied to a particular iPhone account.
2: Uh, and did you communicate that idea to anybody?
1: Yes
0: sir, I did. I spoke with John Marvin Murdoch
1: on scene. Alright, and what did you do in reaction to your suggestion? He believed that one of the family members uh, did have access to Maggie Murdoch's phone location via Find My iPhone. Uh, he left for a few minutes, short minutes, and came back to me with a
0: cell phone, uh, believed to be Buster Murdoch's phone. John Marvin is Alex Murdoch's younger brother, and Buster is Alex's eldest son. Both are often visible in the gallery during the trial, and both will later testify in Alex's defense.
2: You're not 100%
1: positive who's Not 100% positive
2: all right and what did you do
1: once this phone was handed to you by john marvin i took possession of the phone uh, obviously looked at the virtual map i walked in the direction of where i believed it to be to see if it might be in the general vicinity of where we were around the dog kennels as i walked probably 30 40 yards i realized I was much further away than i originally anticipated so i then back uh, went back to my vehicle i i got in with john marvin i had had possession of the phone the entire time Um, Two of our other investigators, Solicitor Jojo Woodward and Solicitor Donnie, or excuse me, Investigator Donnie Hutto, uh, rode with me back towards the general area of where the device was showing.
2: And so you had this uh, family phone the entire time, correct? Yes, sir, I did. You were tracking to where Maggie's phone
1: exactly was. I was driving and looking down at the phone, making sure I was going in the proper direction. Approximately how far did you drive? Uh, About a half a mile from the entrance to the, uh, the barns, the driveway to the barns.
0: Conrad approaches investigator Hightower and hands him another photo.
2: I'm going to show you what's been marked as Exhibit 227. Do you recognize
1: that? Yes sir, I do. And what is that? Uh, That's an overview from Google Maps uh, that shows both the residence as well as the general location of where I ultimately
0: located Maggie Murdoch's phone along the edge of Moselle Road. And you prepared that? The location location where Investigator Hightower indicates that Maggie's phone was discovered is approximately half a mile southeast on Moselle Road, from the driveway and the hangar area where Maggie Murdoch's body was discovered.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
0: Prosecutor Conrad displays another drone photo of the property for Investigator Hightower and has him again step down to point out various locations on the monitor positioned in front of the jury.
2: Okay, can you see that on your uh, screen,
1: Investigator Hightower? Yes, sir, I can. On this overview,
2: can you point out uh, where the residence is for 4147 years
1: the residence is here uh, you can see the driveway here as well and then the kennels are up here okay
2: and uh there's a marker on there correct that says general location of phone yes sir that'd be right here all right and that's where you found maggie Murdell's phone correct
1: yeah so i was walking uh when i was trying to get uh, a better idea of where the phone actually was i was walking up and down the driveway here to the kennels um, obviously looking down at the phone trying to identify the general location. Once I started to realize the phone was much further away, that's when I jumped into my vehicle. I turned and went southeast of the the residence area.
0: As he testifies, Investigator Hightower indicates on the drone photo that he turned right coming out of the driveway and traveled in a southeasterly direction about half a mile, until he arrived at the location indicated on Find My iPhone.
1: Once I got to this specific area where the field kind of opened up, I started getting closer and closer to the blue dot. Uh, that you would see on Find My iPhone. Once I got closer and closer, we all got out on foot and walked the property to identify where that phone was.
0: Conrad then hands another stack of photos to the witness and has him identify them.
1: And I'm gonna hand you to 236, 235,
2: 234, 233, 232, 231,
1: 230, 229, and 228. Do you recognize the Yes, sir, I do. All right, and what are those? These are photographs that I took of Maggie Murdoch's phone um, as it was laying in the, the brush area or leaped area closer to Moselle Road, about 15, 20 feet away from Moselle Road. And did you ever personally pick up Maggie's phone? I never touched the phone. Uh, once I identified the location of where the phone was, I contacted Captain Ryan Neal with South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. He sent a team with uh, Special Agent Katie McAllister. And Special Agent Jeff Croft to take possession of the device. So
2: you took these pictures. Maggie's phone had not been touched, correct? It has not been touched. No All right. Okay. I'm going to show you first Exhibit 230, and in the center of this, uh, I see two orange flags.
1: Do you see those? Yes, sir. I do. What are those orange flags? So once I located the device, I found some standard landscape flags laying around. I then obtained those, walked over towards the, where the phone actually was, put one towards the phone, and one kind of uh, where you could see from the roadway uh, as the SLED agents were responding to collect it.
2: Where was Maggie's phone in relation to these two Orange flags again? So
1: it would be the furthest one away. Uh, this is just a point of view from the street looking back towards where the, the phone was. Okay.
2: We see, uh, looks like pavement in the foreground, is that correct?
1: Yes, sir. That is Moselle Road. And so that represents the edge of the road, correct? That is correct, yes, sir.
0: Prosecutor Conrad displays a picture of Maggie Murdoch's iPhone on the screen.
2: I'm going to show you Exhibit 234. And do you recognize what's in that picture?
0: Yes, sir, I do. Uh,
1: and right in the center of that picture, what is that? That is the Apple iPhone uh, that actually had a camouflage case with an orange tint to it, uh, and there was standing water on top of the screen.
2: Okay. And I see a little black area if you look up and left of the phone in the center of the picture there. you know what that was, or was that anything significant?
1: I don't believe it was anything significant. Uh, if, from what I recall, it might have been a bottle or something of that nature.
0: I'm
2: going to show now Exhibit 231. I believe in the center of this picture towards the bottom, uh, what is that?
1: That is the cell phone identified as Maggie Murdoch's phone.
2: Can you approximate the distance from the road that you found this phone?
1: I did not step it off or measure it, uh, but I would say between 15 and 20 feet.
2: We are looking at Exhibit
1: 228. All right, describe what's in this picture, please. That is just a more close-up picture of the Apple iPhone recovered from the leaves.
2: And do I see something on the screen of that
1: phone? Yes, sir. It's standing water, believed to be from the moisture from the night before. And that screen, is that facing up or facing down? The screen is facing up. Right. So you exhibit 235? It's just the opposite angle on the mm-hmm. other side of the phone, uh, more of a close-up of the iPhone. And you
2: can see those water droplets on the phone? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And I see some sort of wine on top of the
1: phone. Can you tell what that is? It appears to be some sort of uh, plant. Part of it. And finally, 236, what is in this picture? Again, more of a close-up from the top of the phone looking down.
2: All right, and this is Exhibit 233. Describe this
1: picture. So the reason behind this is to obviously identify the uh, location of where the device was. I had walked out to Moselle Road, gotten to the center of the roadway, and taken a picture of the trees in the field directly uh, on the opposite side of the road of where the phone was found. All right, and this is Exhibit uh, 232. Describe this picture, please. This is me standing in the same uh, location as the previous picture. This is me just turning right towards the residence to show the pitch in the road, as well as the start or the break of the field uh, off to the left. So you're
2: standing basically across the road from where Maggie's phone was found, correct? That is correct. It'll
1: be directly to my right in this picture. Facing down that road, what, what's that with? Uh, that's back towards the residence and the kennels. And whose who's vehicle, do you, do you recall whose
2: vehicle is in that picture? That was Captain Ryan Niels. Okay, finally, Exhibit 229, and what's this picture?
1: That is a close-up of the back of the picture, or back of the iPhone. Uh, That's Special Agent Katie McAllister that has possession of it. At that point in time, we had put it in airplane mode and sealed it into an evidence pack. You did not physically pick the phone up, correct? I never once touched the phone, yes, sir. You observed it being picked up, correct? I did, yes, sir. Did you have
2: any further uh, to do with Maggie's phone after it was collected?
1: I was provided the extraction uh, once that was completed. Okay, but yes. Nothing further with the actual device. Okay. Now it's from Lieutenant Dove.
0: That is correct, yes, sir. Prosecutor Conrad then begins a line of questioning regarding the retrieval and examination of cellular data from the phones of various members of the Murdoch family.
2: Let's go forward to the day of June 10th, uh, which was three or two days after uh, you found Maggie's phone, is that correct? Yes, sir, that is correct. And did you have... Uh, reason to respond back out to, uh, Moselle on that day.
1: Uh, it was not Moselle, but I believe it was John Marvin's hunting property. Okay. All right. You responded to John Marvin's hunting property. And why did you go there on that day, June 10th? I was requested to extract cellular phones from, uh, Alec Murdoch, Randy Murdoch, John Mur- John Marvin Murdoch, and Buster Murdoch, uh, while they're all being questioned by SLED agents.
0: Randy Murdoch is Alex Murdoch's younger brother and former law partner.
2: Right. And to your knowledge, uh, did all those individuals provide consent? For that yes, search? sir, they did, as well as their passcodes. All right, so how many phones did you download again? I'm sorry.
1: Uh, at, during that time frame, uh, I had extracted three total phones. There, towards the end. Once the interviews were being concluded, a phone call was made to multiple family members explaining Randolph's condition, and they all had to leave and go back into Alameda. I was only able to to extract three phones at that time. Okay. And whose phones were that? That would have been three. Alex. Randy's and Buster Murdoch's phone. Just
2: generally speaking, why why did you download, uh, why were you needed to download his phones on that day? What was the purpose?
1: I was tasked by multiple SLED agents to uh, assist them while they were conducting all their interviews to extract the contents of the phone to see if there might be any evidence of uh, the murders uh, in any of their phones. And uh,
2: was it unusual for SLED in this area to request your assistance with some cell phone evidence? No, sir, not at all. All right, so you downloaded those three phones. This, this jury has heard testimony about different types of extractions. What type of extraction did you do on June 10th
1: with, uh, let's focus on Alex's phone. What, what type of extraction did you do? The initial extraction was an advanced logical that I had done there on scene uh, at the hunting property.
2: How long do you recall approximately that the, that logical extraction took?
1: Uh, advanced logical was basically just a surface area of the phone Identifying the call logs, uh, incoming and outgoing uh, phone calls, text messages, any emails, general location information. You won't always get a whole lot of uh, location information, but ideally to get a, a pretty good idea as to what's happening on that phone uh, during that time frame. And just
2: time-wise, you know, I, mean, I know every phone's different, but do you recall approximately how long it took to
1: download Alex's phone? I would say between 30 minutes and an hour. Uh, none of the phones took any longer than an hour. Okay. Uh, to, to conduct an, an advanced logical full file system takes much longer so
2: between the three phones you successfully downloaded it took you between uh, in total an hour and a half to three hours approximately yes sir okay mm-hmm. Um this jury's heard about uh, the full file system and, and physical extractions before you have that capability correct yes sir I do all right um, but you did not perform that on those three phones on June 10th correct that is correct uh, and just again Generally speaking, knowing every phone's different, how much longer does a physical extraction take than a logical extraction?
1: It depends on the size of the phone. Uh, obviously, phones these days are getting much, uh, much larger. Uh, depending on the size of those phones, depending on how long a full file system extraction would actually uh, take. Um, it Could be hours, it could be days. It just kind of depends. Okay.
2: And did you feel like you had hours and hours and days and days to download those phones?
1: No, sir, I did not. Because what did you do after you were done extracting them? I supplied each of their phones back to them, uh, obviously because of the issues dealing with Mr. Randolph at that time. And you felt
2: uh, some pressure because of the health issues of, of Mr. Randolph uh, to get return their phones to them so they could take care of family business. Yes, sir. That okay. is correct. Okay. All right. And so you just you said a minute ago, so all you removed from these phones was that surface layer of information, correct? Is that what you- yes, sir. All right. And that surface information includes text and call logs, uh, pictures and videos and that sort of thing, correct? Yes, sir, it does. And you said sometimes you get some location data, but not always correct? That is correct, yes, sir. All right. um, now, in relation to Alex's phone, uh, was there a concern about his status as an attorney on that? Date? Yes, sir, there was. All right. And that phone could, could potentially contain uh, privileged information, correct? Yes, sir, that is correct. All right, so you did the, the raw download, logical download, uh, and did you initially look at anything on Alex's phone on June 10th?
1: I did not i was uh once the extraction was completed i obtained the ufdx file which is the raw file for a celebrite file uh, i then transferred that electronically over to sergeant paul McManigal with the charleston county sheriff's office who also serves in the united states secret service task force uh, the cyber crime task force um, i also did that with randy murdoch's phone as well so i, I sent him two of the ufdx raw files from celebrite for him to dump into what's called physical analyzer to extract the data. Uh, at that
0: time, a taint attorney was uh, assigned from the Ninth Circuit Solicitor's Office. A taint attorney is a lawyer who is screened from the investigation team, reviews communications taken into custody, and is tasked with passing along to investigators only those communications that are neither privileged nor protected. She had met with Sergeant McManigal
1: uh, and gone over all of the uh, attorney-client privilege information And I was provided a working copy of uh, Alec Murdoch's phone from Paul uh, McManigal a few days after that. Okay. Just so it's it's clear, you said uh, she was from the
2: Ninth Circuit? That is correct, yes, sir. And that's a totally separate office from your circuit, correct? Yes, sir, it is. Once you received uh, this uh, redacted logical phone extraction
1: from uh, Sergeant McManigal, what did you do next? I opened it in what's called Celebrite Reader, which is an executable file. allows you to go in and view the contents of the phone it's essentially a dashboard that allows you to to maneuver around uh, the device itself in a more readable format uh, and identify incoming outgoing calls uh, read text messages uh, any type of emails photographs videos or anything that might be in that person's camera roll
2: and uh, in the course of your assistance to this investigation did you acquire any other records uh, to assist you in looking through these
1: phones yes sir i did what did you acquire I was uh, supplied with all of the call detail records from Verizon for all of the parties uh, that we had obtained information on uh, or obtained a search warrant on uh, to identify ideally location information. Uh, what I like to do in my case is if we have a phone extraction as well as phone records, I like to compare the two and identify any discrepancies or any issues that might occur. Um, but the, the call detail records allow you. Uh, to obtain location information if you don't get it from the seller right extraction.
2: You obtained via search warrant or assisted obtaining via search warrant cell records for Mr. Alex Murdoch and some other individuals, correct? Yes, sir, I did. And, and those records have been entered uh, into evidence uh, as 268, correct?
1: I believe so, yeah. yes, sir.
2: And you said, you specified that you took those cell phone records, uh, which to remind a jury, that's information that's stored by, by who?
1: By Verizon, in this case, Verizon. but.
2: Yes. By the cell company, correct? Yes, sir. And you compared it to the information you found on these phones, correct? I did, yes, sir. And and specifically, uh, with Alex's phone, what did you discover when you're comparing these phone records to the phone itself, the call log?
1: Once I started, I essentially built a digital timeline of all forms of digital evidence we had had during that time frame, and it was kind of a working copy. Um, During that time frame, I compared the call logs from the extraction or from the actual device to the phone logs that I saw on the call, call detail records provided from Verizon. On the date in question on June 7th, I only saw two FaceTime calls on the phone extraction, and I saw a series of around 73 phone calls on the Verizon uh, call detail record.
2: What did that tell you when you saw that uh, that missing information? Uh,
1: it could be a multitude of things. Um, they were either removed by the user or the, the one responsible for using the device. It could have overlapped from the call log history it could have been a series of things, but I just wanted to make sure that um, I identified the phone numbers that were in, in communication during that time frame and the lack of that information on the, on the actual phone. And you just said it could have overlapped.
2: In that, What does that mean?
1: Um, over time, your call log obviously gets historically just kind of removes itself from the call log history uh, on your actual device. It's nearly impossible, actually know of no way, to delete any phone uh, calls that you might have made that had processed through the network, or in this case, Verizon. So there's no way for a user to delete records from Verizon, correct? That is correct, yes,
2: sir. Uh, But in your investigation of this phone, of Alex's phone, I mean,
1: is that what happened? That is his call obviously overlap? Were you able to determine that? I was not able to determine it because it was an advanced logical, so I wasn't able to recover any deleted items during that time frame. So you didn't recover any deleted artifacts of the phone call? That is correct. No, no, sir, I didn't. When I say deleted artifacts, so what, what what does that mean? Anything that was manually deleted from the device itself. All right. And
2: there's sometimes a trace left in memory when something is deleted, correct? Yes, sir, that is so correct. But a logical traction is not going to find that. correct? No, sir. Okay. All right. But... Uh, did you, in your review of the call logs, did you f- discover whether prior, sometime prior to the June 7th that there were still calls in those logs? Yes, sir, there was. And so this is, is this, is this a case where simply the calls just simply overlapped and the oldest went out as the new calls were made? It's possible. If there's a gap, you just testified there were phone calls. Yes, sir,
0: Defense attorney Dick Harpudlian objects to prosecutor Conrad leading the witness. Judge Clifton Newman sustains the objection and instructs Conrad to rephrase the question.
2: Did you just testify that
1: there were phone calls from prior June 7th still remaining on that phone? FaceTime calls, yes sir. Okay. On the call log on the phone extraction. The the report that I was provided because was a working copy mm-hmm. was from June 1st mm-hmm. to June 10th. Okay, all right. But
2: there were FaceTime calls prior to that, correct?
1: Yes sir, that is correct.
2: And when a user accesses just the phone itself and they look at a call log, will that display both uh calls made over verizon it will display calls made over the verizon network the call log yes sir anything that connected to the network all right and will display facetime calls as well it would yes sir and you found facetime calls from prior to june 7th correct yes sir i did all right but as far as you could tell as far as calls themselves when did you start seeing call
1: records start right around the morning late morning early afternoon of june 8th 2021 okay
2: And is there, uh, other than this overlapping situation, is there any other way that you're aware of uh, that could have removed that gap in phone call logs?
1: If the user went
2: in and manually removed it themselves? But there's no other automatic process other than what we've already discussed? Mm -hmm. No, sir. And did you discuss with Sergeant McManigal whether his process in redacting certain things, did that process remove any uh, call logs
1: from that download? Yes, sir, I did review with Sergeant McManigle, and, and obviously uh, we had discussed the, the results that were provided to me, and we both agreed uh, on the same opinion. All right. And uh, Sergeant McManagle did not remove those records, correct?
0: That is correct. Right. For this witness. And with the end of Prosecutor John Conrad's direct examination of the witness, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we begin our review of defense attorney Dick Harpulian's cross-examination of investigator Dylan Hightower. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page.
2: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you.
0: More at uh1.com. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.